0: A woman says, I, I'd like to have a closer walk with God. Can you paint me a picture of God? Now, I can't even draw stick figures, uh, but I can paint her a word picture of God. And that's what we're going to try to do tonight in Bible Investigation. Tomorrow, uh, I'm going to read it uh, the way the question was worded to me. Tomorrow, the question is, can you sell me on the Church of Christ?" Okay, I've never had anyone ask me a question like that, but uh, I'm going to try to uh, uh, sell this viewer uh, on God's church. So uh, that's coming up tomorrow. On Friday, the question is, can you help a loser? Can you help a loser? On Saturday, I'm afraid I'm not saved. Can you help me? Uh, we got a lot of can-you-help-me questions this week. And then, coming up on Sunday, now normally we don't do Bible investigation on Sundays. Uh, Our classes online are just Monday through Saturday. But uh, I'm going to start doing, on my Sunday evenings, I'm going to start doing Bible investigation on Sunday evening worship. So the sermon Sunday evening is this. Is based on the question, I'm afraid I have failed as a parent. Can you help me? Uh, All the questions this week are can you help me type questions. So uh, that's our schedule for this week. Uh, I may also want to add, uh, Billy did a great job in the devotional tonight. If you are curious about what happens when you die, get ready. We're gonna do a week-long investigation of what happens when we die. That's coming up, I'm actually recording this weekend uh, the classes for um, July the 26th through August 1st. The classes on what happens when we die, I think, if I remember correctly on the schedule, they come up the last week in August, okay? So uh, I think that's right, it could be maybe a week off or so, but uh, coming up in sometime in August uh, will be that question, what happens when we die? And we're going to take a whole week and look at that question, because that's a very interesting question. It actually comes from seven different viewers, and... um, So uh, we've got seven different viewers who have already emailed that question in to me. That seems to be a hot question. So we're going to look at what uh, the Bible tells us about what happens when we die. We're going to look at the judgment, and we're going to look at eternity, and we're going to look at all of that. Now, let's look at story number 83. We've already done the first part of this story, as uh, Solomon Solomon. Uh, he is, um, he has asked for understanding. He's asked for how to govern the people. Other words, wisdom. Uh, God gives him wisdom, but a whole lot more. This is one of the two promises that he's going to give to Solomon. And he gives him much more than just the wisdom Tonight, we're going to look at an example of his wisdom. Now, let's look at, begin in verse 16 of chapter 3. Then two prostitutes, two women who had no social standing, Uh, Two women that would have been looked down upon by society. Uh, Prostitution is, of course, wrong. It's wrong in uh, God's law. Uh, But, of course, we realize that it's been around since the beginning, unfortunately. Uh, These two women, they come to Solomon with a problem. Verse 17. The one woman said... Oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone in that house. There was no one else with us in the house, only we two were in the house. No one else could have done this. It has to be her who's done this. This woman's son died in the night because she laid on him, okay? And she arose at midnight and and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely, You know, uh, a mom is going to know her child. You know, Um, a mom's going to know her child. When I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. That's not my child. Other woman said, no, the the living child is mine and, and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Look at question five on your outline. In the dispute between these two women, what did each want? What did the mother, the real mother of the child, of the living child, want? She wanted her child back. You know, she wanted her child. She wanted her child safe and and, and all, and and um, that's what she wanted. Well, how about the mother of the child who died? What does she want? She wants a replacement. You know, she's messed up, she has done wrong, she has unfortunately killed her child, and and she wants a replacement. And she figures, well, you know, using you know human scheming. I can do this and I can take that child from that real mother and, and I can have a child again. Notice Solomon's wisdom. Verse 24, the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. king said, okay, divide up the living child in two. Just chop him in half. Give half to the one and half to the other. Now, did Solomon intend to do that? No, no. Do your head like this. Solomon did not intend to do that. He wants to to, um, find out who the real mom is. Because notice what happens. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh my Lord, give her the living child. And by no means put him to death. The real mom said... Hey, I'd rather see him alive than dead. Don't do that. The other one said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. You see, she really didn't care. It wasn't her child. You know, if she can't have a child, you can't have one either. We live in the same house. If if I can't have a child, you can't have a child. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman. In other words, Solomon knew that's the real mom. And by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. How do you feel? Look at question six. How do you feel about Solomon? What do you gain from this story? At this point in his life, before he has brought in the 700 wives and the 400 concubines, before he's done all of that, how do you feel about Solomon? Are you like me? Do you like Solomon? Billy and I were talking about this in the office earlier. And I made the statement, Solomon had the potential of being even much, much, much better as a king than his father. Israel only had three kings. Saul, when we know how he turned out. David, he is the cherished king. He's the respected king. And then Solomon. Solomon could have been a better king than his his dad. He had that potential. I mean, I like him. He asks for wisdom. He asks for understanding. He's young, maybe around 20 or so. And I like him. And remember the promise, the first promise, there's two main promises given by God to Solomon. In the first promise, God said, I'm going to give you everything. You ask for understanding, I'll give you that, but I'm going to give you everything. And, and Solomon didn't have to do what he did. Now, what did he, what did he do? Now, we'll get that here in a couple of stories from now. But what he does is he starts marrying the daughters of kings around him, forming alliances, making the kingdom bigger and bigger and bigger, bringing in more wealth, more wealth, more wealth. But guess what? He didn't have to do that. Because God had already promised him wealth. But he does it. And he ends up following the religious practices of all of those women that he brought into his life. Now, get ready. We're going to be going to story number 84. The Queen of Sheba visits Solomon. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit what happens between chapter 3 and chapter 10. Between chapter 3 and chapter 10, Solomon is going to build two large buildings. One is the temple, and the other one is called the House of the Forests of Lebanon. It's his palace. Now, to do that, he's going to do a lot of taxation. And do we like taxation? No, we don't. And, uh, and he's going to do a lot of forced labor upon other people, but also upon his own people, which is going to be a problem because that's going to be the sticky point that's going to cause his son to end up losing the United Kingdom. Now, uh, go over to chapter 4 verse 20 Judah and Israel were as many as the sand of the sea they ate and drank and were happy everything is going great economy's up you know everything's going great solomon ruled over all the kingdoms all the kingdoms okay through his alliances through his plotting and scheming his kingdom has keeps on growing It rules from the Euphrates, that would be in modern-day Iraq, so that's to the east, that's as far east as he went, to the land of the Philistines, that's to the west, to the border of Egypt, that's to the south. He's covering a big area right here. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Now the kingdom eventually is going to grow into a massive kingdom. How massive is it? Yes. If you look at the kingdom that David ruled, the land, and then you look at the kingdom that Solomon will, through all of his alliances and treaties and such like that he had, the kingdom will grow about four and a half times in size. I mean, we're talking about a sizable increase in land that his kingdom is now ruling over. Okay? Verse 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east. Remember the... um, Magi that came, you know, the magi that come to visit Jesus when he's a baby. We don't know how many they were, but a group of magi, at least two or more, come. And where did they come? They come from the east. Um, that's wisdom. Um, You look at mathematics. A lot of our early mathematics, where did it come from? It came from the Persians, right? It came from the Persians. Uh, So wisdom to the east and wisdom of Egypt. You know, Persia and Egypt, those two areas were always noted. didn't matter what you call the country. the, The country names changed quite often. Uh, but they were noted for their wisdom. But Solomon passed them all. Solomon is so, so wise. Look at chapter 5, verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13. King Solomon drafted forced labor out of Israel. Now Jeroboam and his party is going to rebel against this when Rehoboam is put in as king. But they, he, King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all of Israel and the draft numbered 30,000 men. How would you like it if your husband got drafted into doing forced labor? Probably not like it a whole lot. Okay, that's going to be a sticky point later on. Now, you look at chapter, chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1, Solomon was building his own house 13 years. Scott, can you imagine building something for 13 years? That's a long time, isn't it? Okay. It um, is a long time. Massive house. Massive house. He takes time to provide lavish and wonderful temple furnishings. He dedicates the temple. He brings the ark, chapter 8, into the temple. They have a great, uh, you might say, first worship service, dedicating the temple, and the temple is now in use. And God, look at uh, chapter 9, verse 1. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, the two main buildings he builds, and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. This is the second major promise. God is going to repeat essentially uh, the promise that he's already given him. But he also puts in a warning Verse 4, as for you, if you will walk before me, as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness. Keep it in mind, David wasn't perfect, but when he would get off of true north, he would repent and go back to true north. David, your father, walk with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. Not just your son, but your grandson and your great grandson, and just keep it going. But, verse 6, But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statues that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods, gods with a little g, serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, and the house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out my sight, And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all people. And this house will become a heap of ruins. What happens to Solomon's temple? It becomes a heap of ruins. Solomon's temple is essentially destroyed. Parts of it is left, but essentially is destroyed when Judah is finally carried off into captivity. And the promise that God gave Solomon, this promise and this warning, this warning comes true. Solomon could have been the best king, but he is going to make a serious blunder by following after other gods. Now, let's look at the visit of the queen of Sheba. This is story number 84. Now when the queen of Sheba... Now let's stop right there. Where is Sheba? Answer. We do not know absolutely for sure. We think Sheba would be in what is now South Yemen. At the bottom of the Arabian Peninsula. Okay? We think that's where it is. We're not 100% sure of where it is. But this woman will come from a distance, a great distance. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she hears about Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. What? The fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Solomon at this point is going in the right way. He hasn't yet drifted. You know, he's going in the right way. She came to do what? To test him. You say you're so wise, I'll just give you a test. She came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great ratoon, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. She laid him down, you know, she gave him all the questions. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, she sees all the wisdom. The house that he had built, this house of the forest of Lebanon, his palace. The food of his table. Go back in those chapters preceding here. talks about all the, the uh, wonderful foods that Solomon feeds his, uh, his people there in the palace. The seating of his officials and the attendance of his officials and the clothing and cupbearers and his burnt offerings that he offered to the house of the Lord. There was no more breath in her. In other words, it took her breath away. She goes, wow, wow. You talk about impressive. As Darth Vader said, impressive, most impressive. Okay, for you Star Wars fans out there. Now, notice her statement to King Solomon. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land. Of your words, that would be his wisdom, and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports. I couldn't believe it's possible that anyone could be that wise. I, I couldn't believe it until I came and my own eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. She is impressed. Furthermore, look at what she says in verse 9. Blessed be, she's going to make a statement about God here. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Who did it? It was your God who did it. She realizes that. No mortal man could do all the things that Solomon did without help from God. God had given him this wisdom. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. She's impressed with Solomon. She's bowled over with his abilities, his wisdom. Look at question one. What motivated this queen to travel? Now, if it is South Yemen, okay, maybe travel round-trip about 1,200 miles to visit Solomon. What motivated this queen? Well, I think you could probably say all of those answers are possibilities. None of those answers on your sheet would be something you would rule out. For me, I'm going to give you my top three. Okay, let me give you my top three. Coming in third would be her own national interests. And if she comes with all this booty, all this stuff that she's got, and she does leave it with Solomon, we would assume that she's there to uh, probably form some treaties with Solomon to, uh, you know, to sign some agreements with him that would benefit her country. Number two, I think she was curious. You know, she had heard the reports. You know, and when you hear a report of something, what do you want? You want to go check it out yourself, don't you? You know, you want to go check it out yourself and say, is this true? You know, seeing is believing, right? You know, seeing is believing. But number one, What motivated her to travel, I think, was his wisdom. You know, when you see someone that wise, that is something. His name was Herschel MacMillan, and he was one of my first two elders as I was growing up there in Perigold. And and Herschel was a man of few words. He didn't talk a lot, you know, but he listened. And when he did speak, you knew it was something good to hear because he was wise. And, And when situations would come up and problems would come up between families or maybe in the church or whatever, you could always count on Herschel to take time to think about it, pray about it, and then he would share with you his thoughts. If you came to him with a problem, you're probably not going to get an answer that time. He's going to probably say, well, let me think about this. Come back tomorrow. Let me think on it. Come back tomorrow. A man of few words, but he was wise. Very wise man. The queen of Sheba travels to see this wise man, Solomon. Question two, what impresses you most about Solomon? Now, as I said, we don't have, we don't have all the 1,100 women yet. Can you, imagine, can you imagine trying to keep 1,100 women happy? Whew. Now, keep in mind, uh, not all those women lived in Jerusalem, you know. Uh, most of them still lived in the land that they belonged to. And he would go visit them, you know. So they're not all <laughs> living in, in Jerusalem at one time. But can you imagine trying to keep 1,100? I can just barely keep one happy. <laughs> I don't want to have 1,100. Uh, but what, what impresses you most about Solomon right now? Before he gets all involved with those women, what impresses you most? All of them, all of them are possibilities. Every one I put down here is a possibility. But for me, it's his wisdom. I like his wisdom. He's a wise man. So this gets us to question three. What impresses me the most about the queen of Sheba was that she... What impresses you most about her? She had the intelligence to test Solomon. You know, she had the intelligence to form the questions, the hard questions. And and also, she saw the connection. Here's my number one. She saw the connection between Solomon's wisdom and God. Now, did she become a a convert? (laughs) I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not saying that. But she was... Aware of the connection. Go back to verse 9 again. She was aware of the connection between God and Solomon. She realized where it came from. Do Do we take the glory for ourselves or do we try to put the glory back on God? When we accomplish something, do we put the glory where it belongs? Or do we take the glory for ourselves? Look at verse 9 again. Look at those words of verse 9. To what degree did she believe? To what degree was her faith? I, I can't answer that but I think she did have some understanding. She put two and two together and she came up with the right answer. She understood that all of this was happening because of God. It's all happening because of God. Um, I remember meeting jerry jenkins for the first time back when i was just a kid preacher i was young and i met him over at Fried hardman at the bible lectureship and he was teaching a class i'm just a snotty nosed young preacher you know nobody and after the class is over i go up to him and there was several He might say, well-known preachers up there talking to him. He treated me the same way that he treated all of those well-known preachers and gave me as much time as he gave to those other very well-known preachers. He was full of understanding in the right way. And he gave the glory, he gave the glory to God. Um, Very talented, very gifted man. And um, uh, those of us who've been to, um, to Dallas, to Lads of Leaders, the man that's up on stage a lot, that's one of Jerry's sons. That's Jeff, okay? And he's up on stage a whole lot there at Lads of Leaders in Dallas. But I never forgot that, you know, because I was nobody, you know, had been a preacher for about a year. And um, he answered my questions, treated me the same way that he treated all those well-known preachers. And I was nobody. Solomon answers this woman's questions. She is convinced that there's a connection between God, the true God, God. And Solomon. What did the queen take home with her? Well, she probably took home a business deal, probably. She did take home some wonderful gifts. You can read there all the things that Solomon gave her. I think she took back a lot more than she took with her. If you look at what she took and what she took back, especially in her new understanding But more importantly, I think she took back some seeds of truth and maybe a little bit of faith in the real God. Now, did that change anything in her country? We don't know. But at least she was exposed to Jehovah God. Now, I'm going to ask this question, and I want some feedback on it. If someone could give you, they they can't, but if someone could give you all you desired and asked for, which three would you choose? One, two, and three. I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to go back there to Drew. If you don't mind, give me one on your list. Scott, give me one on your list. And um, someone over here. Some over here. Give me one on your list. Okay. Drew, you're first. What? Okay. Okay, very good. Scott, what would be one on your list there? What? Wisdom. Okay, very good. Very good. Um, someone from over here. Anybody? Anybody? What would be something that you would give? Jim, I'll I'll go to you. Okay? Um, The three I have in order, number one, a closer walk with God. You know, I'd like to walk even closer with God. Number two, wisdom. Uh, Have I always been the perfect dad? No. Have I always been the perfect husband? No. I've made mistakes. I put my pants on one leg at a time just like you do, guys. I've made mistakes in my life. I'd like to have more wisdom. And then three, I put down peace. Um, And that's certainly something in our world today that our world is desperately in need of. And that is peace. Um, now, look at your questions, or look at your responses. No one can magically give it to you. No one has a, a wand that they're going to wave over you and give you uh, the closer walk with God or the wisdom or the peace. But, but if you look at this list, For the most part, now some of them I I don't think we could do anything. I mean, can I do anything about my physical looks? No, I'm ugly. You know, when when God was passed out the looks, I thought he said books. So i got a bunch of books. Uh, (laughs) But um, these others, these others are things that we can work at. If you want a closer walk with God, what's stopping you? You know, what's stopping you? If you want a closer walk with God, what is stopping you from achieving that? Um, if there's one positive out of this pandemic, and this pandemic, I'm tired of it. I'm I'm tired of it already. Um, if there's one positive, is the fact that maybe people, some people, have been brought closer to God. We've put more time into for God, maybe. You know, study prayer. So, if you want to have a closer walk with God, I think you can get a closer walk with God, but it takes effort. It takes effort. I um. I have a friend of mine, who um, he won a state competition for adult men in weightlifting. You know, you know that you know, he's got muscles, you know, he's got big muscles. Do, do you know how he can do that? He works at it. <laughs> he really works at it. He, he exercises and works out virtually every day. You know. Can I do that? No, you know you know I can't do that at all. but I don't work at it. That's not one of my goals. That's one of his goals. That's not one of my goals. But if we want a closer walk with God, I think we can do it. If we want wisdom, I think wisdom, what is wisdom? It's the practical use of knowledge. We need to gain more knowledge. If we gain more knowledge, then we will hopefully have more practical use of it, and that is wisdom. If we want peace, you know, if we want peace, then we need to work toward being a peacemaker. Here's my point. Virtually all of these are things that we can do. As I said, maybe physical attractiveness, can't do anything about that. You know, you know, But these others, we can work on it. So let's work on it. That's it for our class. Appreciate it so much. We will start with story 85 next Wednesday, Lord willing. Thank you so much.